Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores, sangrones. It is another live episode of the Bleed Lows podcast. Before we get into it, let's get some business out of the way. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast has been brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, football, college football, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, and your favorite casino and card games are available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Estamos en vivo, everybody. And joining us on the show is La Reina of Playa Larga, Amy Cuevas, the boatman, Jason Barquero, and Babyface. Uh, for those of you on the live, we still can't see the comments, right? Babyface, you're going to have to feed them into us. You're on mute. We're off to a great you, start. You can see them. You can see them. Oh, we can see them? Okay, perfect. All right. Uh, so I know the guys did. Michael Carrillo, hello to you, my friend. Uh, I know Babyface and Canelo and Alonzo did a uh, post game yesterday. Uh, they were real troops. I, you know, uh, was watching uh, uh, my daughter's uh, softball game, so I could not attend. Um, but this is um, this is our turn now. So we got the boatman and we got the reina. So we're we're gonna give them an opportunity to give their thoughts. So let's go to the ladies' line. Uh, before we go to the hot topics, uh, let's start with some positivity on the ladies' line. Reina, uh, you, look, this is your opportunity to vent. You tell me, what did you see in that series? What are you feeling right now? Let it out. The Sangrones are here to support you. This is a safe space. You know, I think we've done this so many times that at this point... It's not even that I'm numb to it in a bad way. It just like it is what it is. I I've decided I've made the decision that I just want baseball to be fun. I'm going to look at the stats. I am disappointed. I wish we had made it farther, but it's not like we haven't gone through this every year, right? 2019 <laughs> with the Nationals. I mean, the road to the World Series typically lays through the Dodgers. So am I disappointed? Absolutely. But at the, at the same time, we didn't think we'd get this far. So I mean, I don't know. I'm just looking over the stats for the games and what do we have? A combined six hits. The bats definitely were not awake, but I don't know. If you can find anybody to tell me that these guys just sat on the bench and were like, we're just not going to play, then I will absolutely hand probably everything that we're going to talk about today over to you. But I've no, none of those guys wanted to strike out. None of them wanted to go was it 0 for 21 with um, Freeman and, and Mookie. Like, I don't know. I just, I want baseball to be fun. I don't want to be mad about it. I just, I want to look forward to spring training. 
Uh, Michael Carrillo, uh, we are definitely going to talk about that. Michael Carrillo already coming in with the hot takes. For real, they need to fire Roberts. Dennis Gonzalez, welcome, my friend. Bienvenido. So now I want to turn it to the boatman, the man who makes me look like I am sunshine and uh, and flowers and everything beautiful. Boatman, your reaction, sir, your initial reaction and what the hell happened? Do you have an explanation of what happened in that series? The only thing I can think of is that Noah Syndergaard gave the pep talk <laughs> because this team was god-awful. Awful. Look, just like Amy, I could go in a lot of different directions. You know, I'm tired of seeing the Thank You Dodgers thing come up. I'm here to make sure that's going to be their slogan for the whole year. Thank you, Dodgers. That's what I just read. Look, I'm, t- I'm oh, thank you, fans. I'm sorry, not thank you, Dodgers. Thank you, fans. I don't want to thank you. I want a championship. So, you know, so here, here's the thing. I've defended Roberts, and so I'm going to stick with that a little bit, okay? Because I'm not going to go back and have someone say, well, you know, Jason was all about it a, a month ago, and now I didn't see Dave Roberts in terms of uh, moves that he made. I don't see – I didn't see him make any big mistakes. If anything, I think he kept the Dodgers in the game with the pitching moves he was making in game two and game three, even though people thought it was a little bizarre. But you know what? It kept the team close. Um, you know, after those four runs that really both of those guys gave up after that, the bullpen was probably the only decent bright spot, I think, of this series, quite frankly. I mean, that first game was kind of a disaster on Kershaw and even some of the bullpen. But the next two games, um, I think Roberts did what he had to do. We knew that Lance was going to give up four runs. We just didn't think he was going to give them up all within five minutes. And so that, that was a record. Congratulations. Now, I think what I want to say is this, and it's a question I would pose to fans, a question that I pose myself. Take it away from Dave Roberts. Take the ball away from um, Andrew Friedman. Take the ball away from Stan Kasten. I think after this many years now, what would you do if you're Mark Walters? So for fans who may not recognize that name, that is the chairman and the majority owner, the guy that signs the checks for the Dodgers who has been a fantastic owner, I have to say. I think everyone would agree that they've done a wonderful job of, of owning the Dodgers and what they've done and what they've turned it around. I think if I'm him, I'm tired of being embarrassed because right now you are the laughing stock of Major League Baseball. We're the team that can't get it done. After all that money that's being spent, if I'm Mark Walters, if I'm the owner, I feel embarrassed. And I feel a little bit like I'm, some heads need to roll now. And so what I've enjoyed about Mark Walter's ownership in the decade or so that they've owned or more than that, he's not a micromanager. He's not Al Davis. He's not Mark Cuban. He's not sitting out there trying to intimidate. I love that. He let, hires good people, smart people, brilliant people, and lets them do their job. And I hope that doesn't really change, except for now. If I'm Mark Walters, I'm now becoming the micromanager. And I, I'm, I'm going to step in now. I need to send it in those meetings now with Stan Kasten, with the management, and we need to have a conversation here because I'm not going to get embarrassed and I'm not going to have my investment go to waste like that every single year. I mean, he's making his money, not go to waste in terms of dollars, but in terms of the brand and, and winning. So my question to fans are, and to everyone in this group, if you're the owner of a ball club at this point, you know, what, what would you do? What's the first thing that you do? You know, uh, what heads need to roll? What conversations need to happen? What things need to change? I think it starts at the very top. It goes above Dave Roberts. I think it goes about philosophy. Is this team being built to win championships or not? Um, do we need some different minds? Do we need to bring in consultants? Do we need to bring in people like Ned Coletti in the past who, who did a pretty good job with, with not a lot of resources and some of the chaos that was going on? There's some great minds out there, 
that we may need to uh, interject some new blood at the very top, at the analytics, maybe change the computers, change the hard drives, whatever it is. But I think that's where this starts now um, to build a team to win championships. Um, you know what that looks like. I don't think anyone has the answer. But I, if I was an owner of this ball club, I would be fuming right now and say, OK, something something needs to change. I just don't know what that something is. Damn it, boat man! You stole my thunder. Did uh, I really? Because <laughs> you, you and I were on Great the mind. same page. This is what I wanted to go with. Now, Good. I know everybody. Look, I have the advantage that I, you know, had a day to cool off. But I got to be honest with you guys. I like La Reina. I was numb. I was actually numb. I didn't feel anything. You know, when they were losing, I was just like, hey. This is who they are. I know nobody wants to hear that. I know nobody wants to hear that. But for 10 out of these 11 years, this is the result, you know, that, that we're getting. I just want to let you guys know, if you look at the last, what is it now, three? The last three, or they were eliminated in the NLDS. I believe the last time a manager did that, his name was Don Mattingly. And you guys all know that Don Mattingly was one of my favorite managers. I love Don Mattingly. I'm being sarcastic for those of you who, uh, you know, can't pick this up at, at home. He got fired. So we're going to get to this whole Roberts thing. But I just want to recycle a bit. For those of you who are loyal, you guys all know I gave this speech yes, uh, last year. I'm going to give it again. Okay. Because it's appropriate. All I have to say, and I include myself in this because I am a Dodger fan, is we're lemons, okay? Dodger fans are lemons. We are defective, right? Because we watch this team and we completely ignore rhyme and reason and assume that this team is going to do something other than what they always do, right? That's on us. We're suckers. We took the bait. They won 100 games. And we completely forgot how many times did we have guests on the show come on here and tell us pitching is a concern. Starting pitching is a concern. Start. Even we said it. All of us who were on the show, we were concerned about the starting pitching. The playoffs happen. The starting pitching is terrible. And everybody's like, what? What? What's, what's happening? I've never seen this before. Guys, come on. Like, I understand. And we're going to get into the whole anger. But let's just accept who we are. And I will say this also. I'm not going to go look for a new team because I don't have an emotional attachment to any other baseball team. My emotional attachment is to the Dodgers. So though every year they put me through this shit, guess what? I expect it now. And now I feel nothing. And I tell people before, I used to tell people, you can't hurt me because I'm a Raiders fan. Now I tell people, you can't hurt me because I'm a Dodgers fan, okay? Now, one of these days, like in 2020 and in 1988, I'm going to sit there and go, holy shit, they did it. But you guys all make fun of me because I say, I hope the Dodgers win, but I expect them to lose. And that's because I cannot continue to ignore what I am seeing. Okay, so that's my rant. The boatman and La Reina, we didn't get a chance to do this. I am not angry. I am not angry. But let's get into what everybody is talking about. So the first thing, I'm, I'm going to jump around, 
because the first Michael Carrillo came in hot immediately fire Roberts. Let's do it. Let's get into that. Reina, why do you keep Dave Roberts? Because I know everybody wants him fired, but I know Alonzo was going to say, give me three other candidates yesterday. But Reina, why, unless you agree with them and you think he should be fired. I, I don't agree. I even even some of your rant. I understand that that's the emotions. But at the same time, like there's also just reasonableness or rationale like, OK, who are we who are we going to get? And if they do choke every year, like it's a long season. There, There's so many factors that go into this that it's I mean, only one team's going to win at the end of the day. I don't think we fire Roberts. He's a great players manager. He gets along with them. He understands the players. They love and respect him. I do think some of the comments that have been coming through, like get a, a sports psychologist, maybe get something like that in there. I don't know if they're using that right now. Get that. Bolster your your squad or your staff on that. Um, maybe you get a postseason manager to balance out Ross, uh, Roberts and and they co-manage the team. He can lean on his analytics, but you get somebody, like you said, Coletti, somebody with experience that can make those calls. Because at the end of the day, those are in-the-moment calls. He did change a little bit from what he's done in the past, maybe not going so much off of emotion, but at the same time, we all have the luxury of looking back at it and being like, wow, I really would have done something different. He's got two seconds to make that call and go through with whatever's happening in the game. So I say no, don't fire him, but he does need some help. Uh, Before I go to you, baby face, I do just want to jump in on, on this. Um, the boatman stole my thunder with his great opening monologue. I, I, I really appreciate it. But I was going to come in here and say what I want to hear is from Walters. Because Steve Cohen from the Mets, when the Mets fired, Cohen came out there and he addressed his fan base. Because Cohen knew that there was a palpable anger in that fan base. And I think sometimes it's good for the head of the company, for the owner, to come out here and address the fans. Because there is this belief that this owner doesn't care. They're still drawing almost 4 million fans. He's getting his money. Winning a championship doesn't matter to him. He's already won one. What what is the motivation? What drives him, right? For me, Dave Roberts is only signed through 2025. I don't believe the Dodgers will fire him this year. But I think next year, what it's not going to happen because I don't think Walters is this kind of owner, but in a perfect scenario, I think Walters comes out there and says, not only is Dave Roberts on notice because Andrew Friedman is on notice. Okay. And, and here's the thing. And I think the Dodgers are kind of victims of their own success. When you have the type of success that the Dodgers have, all you know is to do it the same way because it works. It works for the regular season. And I know this is where everybody's going to chime in and say, well, but it doesn't work in the postseason, Juan, right? That's the problem, right? But guess what? You got to get into the postseason first, right? So you have to take care of the regular season. You have to get in. Now, I try to think the way Andrew Friedman thinks. Babyface and I were there when both Friedman and, um, and Marino was there too, when Gomes talked to the media. And one of the things that, oh, that, that really stuck out to me in that press conference was the way that Friedman kept saying variance. 
Fabian, uh, Fabian Ardaya, one of the beat writers, asked him, you know, about a, var a variant. So here they are talking basically in math terms, right? And it's like the variance, and because he kept saying, well, there's a variance. That's right. The variance is the playoffs. And I think what is happening here, and it's a very hard lesson that this is Lincoln Riley of USC, everybody's saying, fire your defensive coordinator, fire your defensive coordinator. And he's stubborn. He won't do it, right? I think what Friedman is, he's looking at his formula and is like, the formula works. You know, there's just a variance. Well, guess what? The variance is in the playoffs. And for me, I think what that would tell you is you cannot manage the playoffs the way you manage the regular season. This is now the second year in a row that we don't see them make changes until the third game or they're on the face of elimination. And isn't the point to avoid that? They don't seem like they're their aggressor in these in the, in these series. So that's what I wanted to hop on is I want to hear from Walters. I agree with everything that you said, Boatman, in the sense that he hires good people and he stays out of the way. But sooner or later, this is about performance. Andrew Friedman now has been a, a president of baseball operations going on 16 years. What did he do in Tampa? Yeah, he got them to the World Series, but they never won one. These are the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is about winning championships. You can't build up this much success. It needs to translate. Whether you wanted to do this, this is, again, the victim of being your success. Yankee fans, they don't settle for anything other than a World Series. Guess what? We're now the Yankees. We don't settle for anything other than a, a World Series whether it's realistic or not, but this kind of performance, I, I, I don't, again, I don't think it's going to happen, but maybe I dream Walter's going out there saying, Hey, things need to change. And if you don't next year, if we're doing the same thing right now, you both, you guys are both on gone and it's going to lead to another topic, but baby face, I want to get your thoughts. Yeah, I don't think we'll hear Mark Walters ever speak. I mean, when when have we ever heard him speak? I think maybe when the team was when they won the World Series. Did he speak? Oh, well, he yeah. spoke on, on when the he got the trophy. Right? But prior to that, maybe when they got the team, right? I mean, he's never he's not one to speak, and and I, and you know, if he makes moves, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't. But think if he, he doesn't talk, doesn't that make you feel that he's okay with this then? I mean, I, I think there is a point where we're like, because we've heard like, like the Mookie deal, right? Wasn't he the one that said like kind of make that deal, right? And he, was, yeah. it, it, the pressure has come down from this. So, I mean, he maybe doesn't talk publicly, um, but I guess, you know, through his ways, you know, he'll get the message down too. But yeah, I mean, it makes sense too, to what, what Freeman is doing. But like we said, we, there's always this thing where we don't know, well, is it Friedman or is it Roberts, right? The, the moves that, that Roberts makes, is it coming from the top? Is it coming from Friedman? And Friedman's not going to fire Roberts because in a sense, then he's, he's firing himself, right? And he's not going to do that, right? So we don't know, we don't know what's going on. Um, you know, so, you know, and it's kind of interesting because usually there, I haven't heard anything about it, but usually there is a day when uh, Friedman and Gomes will probably sit with the media. And I was assuming that was going to be tomorrow. Yeah. I haven't heard anything that that's going on tomorrow. So it's interesting to see when they're actually going to come out and, and talk to the media about, you know, this past uh, season. 
you know, and those are those are excellent. Uh, I mean, I, I, we got some great comments coming in here. Roy, you make an excellent point. You're absolutely right. It is not Friedman's fault that Mookie and, and Freddie went one for twenty one, and that the pitchers went down. And that that's not that's not his fault. That's why I can't be upset about the result for this year. But what we're talking about is a cumulative effect now that we are seeing. It's getting worse now. Okay, we're not making it to the NLCS. We're not making it to the World Series. We're getting eliminated in, in the first round. And my my thing is this, is it, for everybody who wants Roberts gone, to me, it's a package deal. You bring in another manager, you don't think Friedman's going to come in there again. Look, what did we hear all? They had a meeting on Wednesday in the office, and that not, not Wednesday, what, what was the, when they had the optional workout? And Roberts wasn't at the stadium because he was at a meeting with the front office. You mean to tell me that Friedman and Gomes weren't in there trying to tell him, hey, let's try this. Let's try that for game three. So it's a package deal for me. So for everyone who wants Roberts out, it, 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 you're telling me you want Friedman out, too, because this is results. Boatman, come on in. Yeah, Juan, I, I 100% agree with you with that. I think it's a, it definitely is a package deal. But I want to say one thing about someone that commented. You're right. You, you can't make right now the two people that really, really were three. There's three people right now on that roster that are that probably, sh you know, I mean, I'm a, well, I shouldn't say it this way, but probably wouldn't want to show their face around town in the next few days or so. And, and that's Mookie Betts and that's um, Freddie Friedman. And, and that's Kershaw. Um, those are your three superstars where your biggest paychecks are coming from and, and choked. And so, um, it, and that's really, I'll use the word, they it was a complete choke, especially from the, the, the hitters at the top of the lineup. But where I do blame the Andrew Friedmans of the world, with, to, your, to, to respond to one of the comments that Friedman didn't go one for 21 or whatever that number is. The problem with this lineup, it was contingent upon two out of nine guys doing well. And then right after that, it's a bunch of mediocre guys that hit anywhere from 190 to 210 to 220. And you got Will Smith in the three spot who hits 240. It's mediocrity. David Peralta, eh, you know, Hayward had a, a great season for Hayward standards. But when you start going down, he, I don't want to use the word money ball, but there's still a little bit of that where they love to find these guys, these little role players. And, well, you know, we got Mookie and Freeman at the top and all these little 240 guys, they're going to get us through the promised land. But you know what? That's a lot of pressure on two guys at the top. And I think we've said it on this show. If not, I'm sure many people have said it, that if those two guys aren't performing, the rest of the team is a disaster. And th that front office gets paid a lot more money. They do this for a living. We all have day jobs here. Yeah. This is all they do. This is all they eat and breathe and get paid millions of dollars to do, and yet those moves didn't happen. They should have foreseen that that could have been there. Uh, same thing with the pitching staff. So there's things that they should have tried to mitigate way before the season even started. This is We're talking about winter meeting stuff last year, spring training. So it's the moves that didn't get done to support the fact that if these two guys didn't perform, and 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 it and it it hit him in the face. Um, I'd like to say they learned a lesson. I, I don't know, but I'm with you. I think it does come in a, in a tandem. I really do think it's it's uh, it's the two of them. Reina, come is, in with the positivity. Come on. Yeah. Well, no, I was just going to say, too, this is the first time we've actually seen them legitimately shake up the roster. We talked about it earlier in the summer of like, how can we move some of these pieces around? We finally saw it in game three. We had to get to this point to, you know, move J.D. down in, in the lineup and. 
I just, some of the changes we've made just on off days, like putting CT3 as the leadoff hitter to experiment, like if we're going to use the analytics, let's use the analytics. But if we're not, we're just going to like kind of put it in where it fits, like, or where it feels good. That doesn't work for me. You kept saying the thing about variance, and that was something that they did talk about in that press conference. The equation is not working. And and part of that is it's not just the postseason, but it's humanity. You you have Mookie and Freddie who want to hit. They're over 21. You can't force them to hit. They want to hit. It's not happening. But we also had controversies the last two years that nobody planned on. You can't plug that into an equation. You have injuries. We didn't know that the majority of our pitching staff, again, would be on the I.L., if we're not picking up people in the offseason at the trade deadline, and again, that's something we need to look at the front office for, then what do we have? This equation is is great in theory, but so is communism. At that point, when you <laughs> add humanity, though, that changes everything. So how how do we change that? I'm all for how dictatorship right now if I was an owner. <laughs> A full hostile dictatorship. But you can't just plug that into an equation. You can't plug people in that way and expect them to just perform. And we're seeing that year after year. You know what, Reina? You bring up some very excellent points. And I, I don't know if it's Ivy or if it's four. I I, I, I don't know your, uh, your, your, your moniker here. But you do bring up something that I've thought about very much. And La Reina spoke to it a little bit. When, when you're saying he takes no accountability... Are you talking about Friedman? Because when you say he takes no accountability and he has some postseason game interviews that he sounds snobby as hell, that sounds like Friedman to me because he is combative with reporters, especially when it comes up to the question of, are you telling Roberts what to do? And he goes out there and he goes, how many times do I have to answer this? Dave Roberts has, has control uh, uh, of all of this. And Roy Estrada brings up another interesting point here. Who made the decision to start Lance Lynn over Pepio? But right? That's not why we lost, though. No, it's not. But you know, here's the yeah. problem, right? I I wonder because I think these comment the, these comments that our listeners, our viewers are bringing up. I wonder if these are questions that the players themselves have in terms of who's making the decision. Is it Roberts that's making this decision? Or if it's Friedman that's making decision. Because if you listen to Kike, La Reina's favorite, you know, Kike was saying, hey, I can't, I was brought here to for the postseason. Why is it that I'm, I mean, I know he came in in the middle of games, but it's like, why is it that I'm not starting until game three? And guess what? He was the only one like throughout the series that looked like he was hitting. He was the only one that didn't get, seem like he was overwhelmed uh, by the moment, I mean, babyface, do you think there's – I know that you have always said that Roberts gets the players to buy in. You don't think when it comes to the postseason that any of those players are kind of going like, all right, so what is my role now in the playoffs? Because this is a playoffs. It's not the regular season. I mean, when you're platooning everything, when all of a sudden in the middle of a game they make a pitching change and we're going to completely take out half of our uh, outfield, infield, I mean, it's a playoffs, but still, it's, and we've heard this player say it's it's still a game. It's still like another. They got to treat it as another kind of like as a regular game, right? Even though, yeah, the stakes are higher, they still got to go in there how they played 162 games prior, right? They still got to go in there and, and pitch. They got to be able to hit. They got to be able to field. They got to do all those same things, and but it just seems like 
they get into that moment and they're like swinging at the first pitch or, you know, it's a little lazy pop-up. It's a little lazy ground. That's, that's kind of all you saw from the Dodgers. Like either they're trying to do too much in that moment or, or I don't know, cause we saw it a little bit later where they strung, they strung like four, four or five hits in a row. Right. And I think that's what they scored the two, the two runs. That's all they needed to do. Kind of just string those hits. But every, every, it was like first pitch swinging for the fences or something and popping up or something. So I don't know if it just speeds up on them. Like they start feeling the pressure more because now they know it's it's playoff baseball, and maybe that's what what's doing it to them. Or, I mean, I still have a hard time buying that the layoff is is making their bats go cold, you know. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's like kind of just grasping at, grasping at star, at straws now because like, what is it that is making them go cold? And I think that is what Dave Roberts needs to figure out if he's going to be around going into next season and going into the postseason. And if they win the division again, you need to figure out how to not let them go cold. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's a very good point. Boatman, I, I, I want to go to you on on, on this. Um, I know everybody's like, fire Roberts, fire Roberts. And I, I know we've had some of our listeners or viewers on here saying, it's like, well, it's not Friedman's fault that all of a sudden these guys can't hit. Robert seemed to be very upset uh, in the postgame in game two because he was not happy with the at-bats. Isn't that fall on the manager too? If you see your hitters are swinging for the fences, don't you pull some? And I know that we shouldn't sit here and compare him to Tommy Lasorda because he's not Tommy Lasorda. That's not who Dave Roberts is. But if you're in the playoffs, I go back to, and, I, and I'd say this because the, the boatman is, for those of you guys who don't know, he's the PA announcer for the South Bay Lakers. But do you remember, Boatman, when Phil Jackson physically grabbed Powell in that Dallas Mavericks series? Mm-hmm. I was shocked because I had never seen Phil Jackson. That seemed like so out of character. He physically grabbed Powell and was like, hey, where the hell are you? Get your hand in the game. Yeah. Didn't this, if you, if you're saying, Hey, I don't like the at-bats, if you don't like what you're seeing, isn't that on Robert's responsibility to shake up some of these guys and going, Hey, what are you doing? Shorten up that swing, go the opposite field. There's that famous speech that was getting sent around the internet with Tommy Lasorda saying you're playing for the name in the front. Your job, if a guy's on second, your job is to move him to third. You hit the nail on the head, Juan. That's exactly what we're missing. Uh, we don't have the Tommy Lasorda anymore. We don't even have a guy like, and I've said this, I think, on this show before. That's what Joe Torre did so well, and, and even with the Dodgers at the time. These are gentlemen that command respect in a locker room. They're not going to go have a beer with you, you know, but they're gonna, they're gonna, you're gonna get their respect. The Phil Jacksons, the Greg Popoviches of the world, the Dusty Bakers, the um, uh, the two teams that are playing each other here in the next round that did make it. Ironically, old school managers. Dusty yeah. Baker versus Bruce Bochy. Yeah. What did I say at the beginning of the season? I said, I would have loved to have gotten got Bruce Bochy on here. We did it. These are guys that just know how to win. And I think those two organizations who also use analytics, by the way, finally decided, you know what? How can we marry these two things together? And, and that's probably the only thing that brought Bruce Bochy back or Boshi back, Bruce Boshi back, because he was tired of that in San Francisco. He went away, and I guess now they found a happy marriage there. I was very surprised to see Dusty Baker with the Astros. Yes and no, the guy probably needed a paycheck. But the bottom line is he went back, came back, he took the money, but he also took him to the promised land, and he got himself a ring. So I give him credit for that. And so, you know, I, I agree with you. 
when you watch Robert speak, when you watch Andrew Friedman speak, it, it's 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 they're nice. It's boring. It's monotonous. It's it's not, not a lot of energy. I'm wondering how much of that spills over a little bit. Roberts is a wonderful public relations guy. You know, he he knows how to tote the company line. Does a wonderful job of it. He's and he's a good person, and people like him. And I think that's why he's still there. He just they have a lot of patience with him. But yeah, I was waiting for someone to rattle these guys' cage, and or or in in a you you brought up Phil Jackson, and Phil Jackson was infamous for some of these post-press conferences yeah. uh, where he will take little jabs to get into these guys' heads because he knew what he had to do. And, and so, yeah, I think there's, there's things, the X's and O's that you're not going to see. I wish we'd see in a manager um, or even a general manager. But you're right. I think it comes in, comes in twos. I'm, I'm going to repeat what you said. I think it's true. Uh, Sal Gutierrez, my friend, you, you are speaking from my heart. I always wanted Sosha to be the manager. I think they made a huge mistake when he was in the organization and they didn't hire him. Uh, Mike Sosha is not going to be the manager of the Dodgers. Mike Sosha does that front Alonso, who is a regular host on this show. He knows Mike Sosha. He knows that Mike Sosha does not subscribe to the, uh, to the sabermetrics. So he's going to clash uh, with this front office. And if they ever did uh, go away from Roberts, Friedman is going to find somebody who subscribes to, to, to this same, same theory. But I, 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 you, you, I'm right with you. I would have loved to. Sosha should have been the manager of the Dodgers. He should have. And at that point, uh, it's 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 just so unfortunate ownership there didn't didn't go for him. Uh, Reina, uh, we we need a little more positivity. I know I'm bringing everything down, and you are. I know this have a lot of responsibility for you on here, but one of the questions uh, that we wanted to bring up on this show are: Are the Dodgers complacent? Is this organization, the fact that we don't hear from Walters, the fact that every year it's the same explanation, there's a variance, well, we can't predict. I mean, even Dave Roberts said, well, I can't predict that Lance Lynn's going to give up four home runs. In a, I mean, is it enough to just sit here and go, okay, you guys don't know the answers, so how are we supposed to accept, expect anything to change if you keep saying, well, we don't know what happened, we don't know what happened. It feels like we're not using our emotions in the right place. Like we have all this emotion going into the game, but then you see our players, they were flat. They were flat last season against the Padres. People brought it up. Like, look at what the Padres are doing in their dugout. They're fired up. And our guys were like even keel, which I guess in some places, yes, they're veterans or whatever that works. But now you've got people in the media or people on social media comparing to like the Phillies. They're all fired up. Look at those fans. Look at our fans. And I just, I'm curious, like, where was the Freddie energy? Not just with the the fans in the stands, because you kind of follow what's going on the field, but what happened to our team after the all-star break? Like they brought that energy. You could feel it on the field. It was palpable. It carried over. Even when they won the, they like they clinched the postseason. You had people in the stands doing the dance with the guys on the field. I don't feel like th- that was the same energy we saw in any of those three games. There was no energy because there was no hits. Right. So if there's nothing to celebrate, they're not doing anything. That's I heard that so much when there's people are saying like, 
Look at the Do- the Dodgers. Their bench was just so quiet. They weren't doing anything. Yeah. There was nothing for them to cheer. There was nothing for and them to get excited about. And that's where the Boltman's thing of, like, maybe we need somebody who doesn't just keep everybody even keel, but we need somebody to fire them up. And if you want to keep Roberts, then you you still need somebody to balance that out. You need somebody to light that fire under their asses where that like, okay, yeah, you know what? We are here. We're lucky to be here. Nobody thought we would be here. And yet here we are. Now what do we do with it? Because it's been flat the last couple of seasons. They, I was shouting at the TV at Dodger stadium yesterday, uh, like, Hey, small ball. And then they finally started playing it. And then the team surprisingly did better, but they were practicing that at the workout. We were all there. Like you, I was trying to keep score and, and I couldn't because somebody would come up to bat and then they would have somebody else on the base so that they could run through these drills. What happened where that didn't translate onto the field in the postseason? I, I, you know what? I don't know who said this on the live. I think it was maybe Michael Carrillo. Uh, if, if not, I'm sorry, I'm giving credit to the wrong person. Um, but I, I think it's really, I, I've heard this a lot in football that players can only hear the same voice for about five years. And then after that, they need a new voice. They need a new voice. Um, I mean, we've been talking about this, you know, replacing whether do we need to replace both. I put this out there for you guys on the live right now. What manager can motivate this team? Is there a manager that motivates this team? Like, Dusty Baker doesn't seem like he's a raw, raw, sis, boom, bah guy. I mean, Bochi, even though he's old school, I feel like he's super calm and all that stuff. So this may be behind the scenes. And look, all of, all of us here, when we, we cover the games at Dodger Stadium, we see Dave Roberts and we know Dave Roberts has told us he wants to be a positive person. He is not going to be that kind of guy who gets up in people's faces. So, I mean, this is maybe two types, uh, two questions in one here is what manager out there can motivate this team? And has it gotten to the point he's been with the team now eight years? Do we make change for the sake of change? Because I know you guys talked about this last night, babyface. This one is worse than the show pots. This really is worse than the show pods only because, and you said this, babyface, they were not competitive. They were not competitive in this in this series to score two runs in each game. Uh, it's um, they were I mean, playing desperate. They it it felt like that desperation of being where they were overrode all of that muscle memory of everything that they did in the regular season. And when you start playing desperate, we saw them. They were swinging at balls they had no business swinging at. Again, I don't know what it feels like to be in that situation. So it's really right. easy for me to be on this side of the the screen and make these comments. It probably felt horrible to be at the plate and have stuff like that happening. But again, how do we how do we balance that out? Is that like somebody else brought up earlier? Sports psychologist, before we get to this point, do you have the two managers, the kind one, like the good cop, bad cop, that know when to press and when to pull back? Do you find that balance there? Because like you guys said, this isn't working. So what do we do to support the players, but also get them going? And, and make sure this team can move farther than the DS every year. Do you, you know, you do bring you think- up a very interesting point, Reina. Do maybe the change that they make, is it a bench coach? 
do you need to get somebody in that dugout who is the opposite of Roberts, who, like you said, could be the bad cop, who is the one going up and down, challenging guys that are not like, look, here's the thing. We all knew this, guys. Let's not get short-term memory here. For a month, Mookie has been struggling. Mookie is a very streaky player. In August, you couldn't get the guy out. And then in September, I mean, look, I've even had you listeners sending me messages. Mookie's picking the right time to go into a slump, right? And then you heard it from Freddie Freeman, where he said for the last five weeks, his swing has been off. So it, it happens. You get into slumps. For me, it just seems from what you guys are telling me, it's the high, it's the manager, it's upper management those seem to be in longer slumps than the players. Uh, what were you going to say, Babyface? Do you think at all, in any way and form, you think the Dodgers are overlooking these matchups, like the Padres last year, the D-backs, teams that they should have beat, that they've beat in the season, right? And then, like I said, on paper, you look at it, okay, game one, you got you got your, your ace, Kershaw, right? He's been your ace. Going against Merrill Kelly, a guy that they've beaten his entire career. Do you think that kind of, like, they're maybe overlooking these teams and then as they're going into it. I'm going to go to you, baby. I mean, uh, Boatman, I don't think they are overlooking. Uh, and one of the, and this is my fault. Um, I think I, I should have led off the show by giving the Diamondbacks their due, the Serpientes their due, because the Serpientes not only outplay the Dodgers, I feel they outcoach them. Uh, they had a great scouting. Right? And, you know, when we had Ned Coletti on the show and he used to tell us that when he was the GM, how many different scouts that he would send. I don't know if the Dodgers are doing that. If the Serpientes are doing it, um, I'm curious to see if they're sending out. Because let me tell you, the way they went after Kershaw and everybody's aggressive with Kershaw. Everybody's aggressive. But then the next day, they were super patient with Bobby Ice. And to me, that the intel that they had on the Dodgers, they knew the Dodgers well. And that's what, to me, is is they don't overlook them. I don't think they overlook teams. I think the Dodgers are so set in their ways. Like, we won 100 games playing this way. We've done this playing this way. We played the division. This is how we're going to keep playing. And what do they say in boxing, right? Uh, styles make fights, right? And if you are fighting someone and it's not working, uh, do you know I'm sticking to the plan or do you realize, okay, I need to change my plan because this is not working. And that's what for me is frustrating is they wait until the elimination game to start changing. Where was the aggression from game one? And I get it with this series when you give up six runs in the first inning. Yeah, whatever. But in game two, there was no aggression. I didn't see anybody like in game two when Marte bunted, I almost stood up and applauded for the other team because I was like, this is such, you guys are playing baseball. You guys are playing, you are seeing where the Dodgers are playing them. And then you bunt. Yes, Michael Carrillo. That's exactly what I'm saying. I feel there is a refusal to change the approach. And for me, that comes from Friedman, I feel. Anyways, keep, keep in mind here. too that this is Arizona who who beat us at the beginning of the season. We saw we this isn't a new team. They Reina, may have slumped Reina, in the it. middle of the season. Give yourself credit. How did they beat us? I'm not gonna say it. Say it. I want no. you to because you have been 
you had the whole they, season. They played you, small ball. They that and but that's that's how they opened the season. We had the four games against them when we opened, and then we had another four the following week. And we we didn't split that series. They beat us five to three out of the two out of that full eight games. And they did it playing small ball. And that's what we were looking at all season. And that's where they were killing it across the league. And then they kind of slumped, you know, the middle of the of, of the season. But we kind of picked up that and then we stopped playing that way. But this we're, this isn't a strange thing to us. Arizona started this way. They started hot. I just wanted to give you that moment because <laughs> Lorena the whole season has been saying, why can't we play small ball? Why can't we play small ball? And for me, it's what we're talking about, this refusal to change. Uh, and when we man. do, look what happens. It, it works. CT3 comes in swinging for the fences. That doesn't work. But then he comes in and he like just gets a blooper. And look at we're on base. Like, that's all we have to do. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Boatman. And Mookie could have done that, right? I mean, to, as, as a leadoff hitter, I mean, he didn't do that either. So I'm not sure if it's his stubbornness or if it's management telling him this is the plan. We're going to stick to the plan. Um, I, I, You guys said it best. I mean, there's nothing else I can say. I mean, I absolutely agree with, with all of that, that, that they don't want to change the approach. It's true. And I think, again, it comes in twos. And, and and you have to look at the top, and that's why it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. At some point, the owner needs to come in and take the ball away and say, hey, we have to have a conversation here. Because if it's all groupthink, and if Kasten is thinking the same way, and if Friedman's thinking the same way, and they're all, no one's going to fire each other, you know, and I'm not saying anyone, but someone needs to come in. And, and if I'm the owner of this team, quite frankly, right now, I'm taking the next 30 days. I'm having lunches and phone calls with a lot of other people behind these people behind closed doors. I'm calling other teams. I'm calling my other uh, friendly owners. I'm asking for opinions of other experts. I'm calling Oral Hershiser. I'm calling whoever it is off the record and having many off the record conversations with other teams or other experts out there, retired or not. Tell me, what do you see? What do you see? That, that, this is what I'm talking about now. I'm ready for the micromanagement to come in because it's not, we're not performing here. And really take the next month or so before we get those winter meetings to say, hey, guys, this, you know, I'm going to step in here and, and this is what we're going to do. And, and if you don't want to do this, then we can find someone that's going to do it. And, and I'll start bringing other people of my buddies in here as consultants, <laughs> which is really just a snitch to come in here as consultants in the next year. And if this thing isn't fixed, then, then we're, you know, it's, it's going to be ugly. And so I think that that needs to happen. One thing, and I wrote it in my notes because I could not, I, I, I don't know where to stick this in, but I got to say this. What is Colton Wong doing in a postseason <laughs> roster? He has absolutely no business. The guy was playing in, in a 12U league or something about three months ago, and now he's in the postseason. No business. No business. I don't care about it. And hold on a second. I don't care about it. Rosario deserved to be there. And this BS about whatever excuse, there's no reason Rosario did not need to be in there. That 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 If there's no other example that proves of what we're, this table is talking about right now, about upper management making these decisions in the roster, it's Colton Wong. And I'm sure Colton Wong is a great guy, great family guy, the whole thing. I don't know the guy, but did not have any business in that roster whatsoever. And, and, and I think that tells you volumes about what's going on and how they're putting together rosters. Same thing with Yarbrough. He didn't make the roster yeah. either. You've got Yarbrough in game three or no, you, maybe you put him in game three after Lynn instead of Grove 
does that does that change things up since we didn't go with Pepio since we were saving him for game four that we never got to, which yep. is again, we're, we're on the other side of it. Hindsight, we have that ability to look like, well, you know, but what would we have done if we were potentially going to game four? Then we really have no one. So, you know, we can argue both sides of this, but at the same time, like where was Yarbrough on the, mm-hmm. on the roster? And I look to me, these, these decisions, <laughs> excuse me. <coughs> oh, well, cough button over here. These decisions, um, I, I think are all about the formula. It's what the numbers, it's what the numbers tell them. The reason why Yarborough and Rosario were not on this roster, the Serpientes have a right-handed dominated lineup. They didn't want an, another lefty in there. And Rosario, they they wanted to have a left-handed bat. They wanted Colton Wong as a left-handed back. It goes back to, you know, why Joey Gallo. It was the big trade acquisition, right? They they wanted a left-handed bat. And I, I've always said this for the longest time, is if a guy can't hit left-handed hitters and you never give him an opportunity to hit left-handed hitters, how is he, uh, pitchers, how is he ever going to hit left-handed pitching if he never faces left-handed pitching? Mm-hmm. Um, look, before we start wrapping things up, I, I want to thank everyone for joining us on the live. I know that... Roy, you had said that, you know, we should do more lives. I, I really love engaging with you guys. You guys are smart Dodger fans. You guys aren't, you know, coming out here with these outlandish. Uh, I, I love talking Dodger baseball with you guys. But this is going out there to our, our viewers, our listeners. Why are you guys so mad? I, I feel like Dodger Dodger fans are so pissed right now. And I feel like it's the accumulation of the years of, of, you know, getting eliminated of we get set up in the regular season. Like, Oh, this team is so great. And then the playoffs come and it's like, who the fuck are these guys? So you guys chime in. Why are you guys so mad? Um, The palpable anger, because I I feel that you guys are mad, but I also feel none of you guys are going to give up on the Dodgers. None of you guys are all of a sudden going to become angel fans. But and and Dennis says he's more heartbroken than than mad. Um, I know one person that's not mad and I know she's really, you know, turned off by this hatred. But Reina, I mean, why is everybody so mad? I don't know. I've been trying to figure that out for the last 24 hours. I, I, I mean, I've been upset in past years, but I think for whatever reason this year kind of gave me a reset. I have a new respect for the players. Um, it's, it's just, I'm trying to see more of the humanity in the game. I couldn't do what they do. And yes, I get that the, the other side of that argument is this is their job. This is what they get paid for. But let's look at it realistically. These guys play 162 plus games a year. They're playing almost every day. They're not just showing up at game time. So it's not three hours. It's all of the time beforehand. It's all of the time after that wears and tears on you. I just, I guess I look at it like I want baseball to be fun. I said it in the beginning. I want it to be fun again. And it feels like we tear down all of this stuff in hindsight. It's almost like we have too much information too now to where it's not fun. And I don't want to do it. I like, I have no problem discussing this stuff. This stuff is that part is fun to me, but I made so many great memories going to games. And it's like the minute we lose in the playoffs, we just forget all of that stuff. Like I got to go to get, I got to do amazing things. I went to games with friends. We got to see a lot of records broken. Let's not forget that too. Our guys did amazing things this year. 
So I just, I think that's just where I'm focused at right now. And I, I get that some people are mad, but these guys are human too. And I don't know, just maybe give them a little bit of a break while we're processing this in the 24 hours. So are they. <laughs> Babyface, I know you see all, I mean, you get more comments directed at you. It, it, is the anger just frustration? I mean, what, what is it with the anger? I think it's just that, right? You're in the playoffs again, and that's that's one thing we always say. It's like, you know, there's other teams that don't get in, and we've asked this before. There's other teams that don't get into the playoffs every year, right? I mean, would you rather be the team that's in the playoffs every year and has a chance right. or the team that, like the D-backs, right? They got in 17, they got swept by the Dodgers. Prior to that, what, like 11, I think? So are you, would you rather be the team that gets in occasionally and maybe have the chance to win it? I mean, more than more than likely, you're not going to win it, right? Because that's how it is in baseball. You have a small percent to win it. So, and I think that the frustration is it's kind of weird this year because when we started at the beginning of the year, right? What was everybody saying? Oh, the Dodgers—they're not going for it this year. They're just punting on the season. Forget it. It's just going to be an awful season, right? So that was the mentality of kind of mostly all Dodger fans. So, like, what they did this year was really a surprise to a lot of people. And then them getting into the playoffs, but now they're in the playoffs, so we got to be upset because they got knocked out. Like, but the the intention going, you know, from the beginning of the year, a lot of people didn't have them even making the playoffs. So it, it's kind of this, this this weird thing, right? It's like they're there, so they got to win now. Yeah, absolutely, Boatman. Oh, I have no sympathy for players. Um, <laughs> it's absolutely their job. I mean, I want to be disappointed and make two hundred and fifty million dollars. Uh, you know, I mean, no, I mean, it's it's tongue in cheek, but it, the bottom line is is this. I really feel like this was a waste of a season for the Dodgers. I've never said that in my entire life, but I feel like they wasted a season. And let me tell you why. Even though they overperformed, they didn't develop anyone. See, it would have been different if you would have said, well, you know, this is a, a, a transitional year. You, you don't think people. they developed Bobby Ice? Okay, maybe outside of, of, of Bobby Miller, yeah. But other than that, look at the rest of that lineup. Half of these guys won't be back because that's the Friedman way. A bunch of one-year people is what he likes to sign. So here we go. You're not going to see, hey, we're probably back. You're not. I mean, I'd love to see him back, but there's a lot of guys you're not going to see back. We're going to go back and get a bunch of old guys who are trying to resurrect their careers again, a la Noah Syndergaard. Okay? <laughs> Stop doing that. Stop trying to resurrect these old farts career. Old farts, and I'm older than all of them. But, you know, <laughs> um, but, you know it's that's what I don't want to see. Now, I'm not saying we fill the, 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 the roster with Shohei Otanis and superstars because we've seen that that doesn't always work, a la the Yankees. And so you got to be smart in between. But I don't feel like we moved anywhere this season, at least to say, you know, we didn't win the whole thing. But boy, all these. Yeah, Altman was a bright start. But you, you'll see. We're going to flip the switch again with a whole a branch of new guys, just like we lost uh, a Turner and all of that. And, uh, you know, we're. I, I, I think we need more consistency instead of trying to fill with a bunch of one-year contracts. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not excited about that. I've never liked that format, and I think that's part of the reason why they're seeing, we're seeing them not get to the promised land every year. Um, I mean, look, I, I, going back to anger, I'm angry and disappointed, but I think that's just being an L.A. fan. If you're a Laker fan or a Dodger fan, there's a, there's a certain uh, commitment to excellence, unless you're the Raiders. Um, no. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> Philip Lopez is on the live right now. <laughs> Philip Lopez is probably just, just shaking his fist in the air I right know, now with that I Raiders know. comment. <laughs> but, you know, and, and so you expect these things. You expect these things. But I'll say this about enjoying the game. I think that's one of the things that Jerry West, if you've read a lot about 
Jerry West and know a lot about Jerry West, he did not enjoy watching his own team for that reason because it would just drive him crazy, just like um, uh, I forget for Moneyball, the um, uh, Bean, Billy Bean. Billy they could, Bean. and that was Jerry West who was criticized also for that, and that was just the intensity they brought that they. And he, in one talk, I watched him talk one time, and he said, "I did not enjoy uh, really winning; I just hated losing more." And he goes, "I wanted to win." just to avoid the feeling of losing and people are like wow that's that's kind of sad and sick i feel like a lot of us are getting like that to that point like i just want to not avoid this feeling of hurt you know when you're that passionate and that competitive about a sport not that any one of us are out there but i think you know when you're in a big market and we care a lot yeah it's much better to be us than tampa bay who attracted 12 people to their game i mean that that's sad that's really sad you know what boatman i I think you bring up a a good point i like the way you said that boatman because i think if the dodgers beat the serpientes and they lose to the bravos or they lose to the phillies i think everybody's okay because i think everybody expected we're gonna lose to the bravos and we're gonna lose to the phillies but it's like you said right now. It's just like I just don't want to lose in the first round, right? To the Diamondbacks, for good. You know, yeah, they're a surprise team, but ugh. It's, Sorry, <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's been a surprise team every year, though. Like the yeah, Nationals, right. the Padres, like. I, I, Reina, you're 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 positive. Is is it killing you right now that you see guys like Corey Seager, you see guys like Trey Turner? You see guys that, you know, if you believe what they say, the Dodgers could have had Bryce Harper. I, I know Babyface was talking about this uh, yesterday. But you see these guys, and, you know, Corey Seager has always seemed to, you know, perform in the postseason that the Dodgers make a mistake. That's, again, I bring this up before we wrap things up. The Dodgers are doing something that I don't know that any other team is doing, and I'm wondering if that's getting in the way of their success, is that the Dodgers are building for the future, and at the same time, they're trying to win. And I feel like everybody is either rebuilding or they're trying to win now. It's one or the other. They're not trying to do both. So maybe if there was more urgency in the now, placed in the now, where it's like, we're going to give Corey Seager the $350 million, even though at the end of this career, that contract's going to look really, really bad. But if you had, I know everybody's like, bring back Jock and, and stuff. Like, if you if you had those guys, I don't know, Reina, tell me, do you, am I off base here that what the Dodgers are trying to do is is maybe a little too much and maybe they should just try to simplify things and just win down? I mean, yeah. I mean, if you split your 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 focus, that always happens when you multitask, right? Baseball is a business. We could sit here and say, should we have kept Corey Seager? Should we not? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I want to see. I want to see more of the consistency, like like the boatman was saying. I, I don't like the one-year contracts. I think while we do have a very cohesive clubhouse, especially compared to others, I think that is getting in our way. We've got a lot of turnover too. How do you how do you get these guys to gel more? Bring up the rookies, yes, but you're bringing them up into a cohesive environment versus bringing them in and then you know these these guys who can help them end up shipping out the next year. So, so- I think we need more consistency. By the way, I want to keep Kike. Um, but I think you need the like the Rojas, you know, players. You need yeah. Hayward. You need all of those guys, but you need them to stick around. Something that's interesting, Juan, when you're saying like there's no other teams that are kind of doing it like the Dodgers. There is a team that's doing it like the Dodgers, I think. It's the Braves. 
and they just got knocked out. So two uh, teams kind of was any a, opportunity you can now to shit on the poor Bravos. Well, right? No, I'm just saying two teams was kind of the same philosophy. They're having trouble now in the playoffs. So why why do they have the same philosophy? Who is the president of baseball operations for the Bravos? <laughs> Alex, how do you say his last name? And, and Antopoulos. Antopoulos, right? Came and where from did the he Dodgers. come? And he came from, came the, from Dodgers. the Dodgers. So they've kind of built. The only thing the Braves have kind of locked up their players, right? They're younger. They're younger guys, so they have a core going forward for the next five, ten years. But it's interesting now that they've both gotten knocked out in the first round the last two years. So everybody on the live here is giving me the the, the update that the Phillies uh, have just defeated the Bravos, and uh, Babyface gave us that. It's going to be, I think, a very interesting matchup with the D-backs and the Phillies, right? Uh, because, look, I got to remind everybody, the Serpientes have not lost a game in the postseason, okay? So they could be just right now dealing with devil magic, but they beat the Cerveceros 2-0, and they swept the Dodgers. So this is, could it be that they are just ridiculously hot, you know, or are they finally going to be brought down to earth by a Phillies team, because let me tell you, going into and, and, and to what you said, babyface, you're right. I feel Dodger fans give a really bad rap. The Dodger fans wanted to be loud. The Dodger fans wanted to go nuts. So when everybody says, well, why can't it be like, look at Philadelphia? Well, because the Phillies give them something to cheer about. You know, we, yeah. the Dodger fans were just waiting. Give us something. Give us something. We will be loud. Go ahead, in that, be, being in that stadium, like I, I am all for cheering. I cheer through every game. I'm, I'm sitting there keeping score. I know you were there one of the nights too. Like it, it wasn't even just I, I want to cheer, but I can't. It was like just stunned silence. Mm -hmm. There, we didn't even have like the. Usually they'll have like the cheers that are let off from from the the press box or the the music booth, but we didn't hear a lot of that that first night. And then the second night, like we did. But it was still just like kind of dumbfounded, like, yeah, we're cheering, but what's happening? And it just it was an interesting environment to be in because we're so used to Dodger Stadium being so loud in the playoffs. So, you know, we we bring that wall of noise and it was not there this time. One one thing I noticed, and I don't know if it's just TV or whatever, like I was watching like the Harper home run the other day, like when he hits that. And I don't know if it's just the TV angle, the way they film it, the way they it looks like it's a bomb and it's, it looks like it's a bomb in that stadium. Right. But. When there's a home run at Dodger Stadium, it doesn't really look like that. It's just like, oh, there goes a ball and it goes over the wall, right? Like, I don't know. And I think that adds to the excitement. Like, you see the crowd. Like, they're just all up. Like, it's, it's, it just looks completely different watching a Phillies game like than and watching, like, a Dodgers game at home. I don't know why. I think it's a different sports culture, too. It's always been the case. Laker, Laker fans also have been notorious for that. You know, we're not exactly the loudest. It, it was like that, you know, um, for a while. Um, this is a different crowd. Half the people there got tickets for free and probably don't even care for the Dodgers, you know. And uh, it's just, this is L.A., right? It's very Hollywood. You see it at, at, uh, it's at uh, Crypto now uh, quite a bit. Um, it's a different. Kings fans, on the other hand, are the loudest and strongest fans in L.A. I mean, if you've never been to a playoff, an L.A. Kings playoff postseason game in your life, even if you don't like hockey, do yourself a favor. I remember when they used to play the Red Wings here when they were hot some years back. Even the Red Wings team would say, this is the loudest arena in hockey in L.A. And uh, Kings fans are insane in there going back to the forum days. It's just a different culture. It's a, I don't know what it is, but when it comes to Lakers and Dodgers, everyone gets a little bougie about it. But look, when you get dropped six runs in the first inning and don't respond, and another couple runs in the first inning in game two and don't respond, you're not doing your fans any favors. You know, you're not giving them anything to get up, get up and cheer around. 
Um, I, I, I mean, I, and I was there. I was there as a fan with my family. Game two. And I mean, there were some moments when they loaded up the bases and we thought, all right, Freddie, that place was ready to explode. And Freeman just, you know, it, it just, and so you can feel it in the stands, but they just never gave us the moment. Never really gave us the moment. But we have been that way in, in previous seasons. Like I've been there in the postseason yeah. where you like, it's just like, okay, we're, we're up again because I can't see because, you know, everybody's so excited at the drop of a hat. The rally towels are waving the entire time. That didn't happen this season. We no. have been that. People say they come to our stadium and they're like, wow, that didn't happen this year at all. You know what I've noticed? If I can say one more thing, Juan, about that. I've noticed that over the years, since I've been going to NLDS's, I don't know, you know, let's say the last 20 years or so. I think all the winning and the expectation is that we almost treat the NLDS like another regular season series. And I've seen fans. We don't even we don't even fill the stadium anymore. When we used to get in the NLDS, when Manny Ramirez was there and in those years in 08, 09, we'd fill out game one of the NLDS because we were so excited to be there. Because for years we weren't doing anything in the 90s. And all of a sudden we were excited in the 2000s to be there. Now we're already accustomed to being there. I've noticed that eh, we'll get, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll claim a sellout, but there's probably 45,000 people there. And so we're not as excited for the first round. Um, and we also don't have the electricity of a Manny Ramirez. I hope we appreciate a guy like Manny who, yeah, okay, a little bit of steroid here and there. Well, maybe that's what we could use right about now. <laughs> but put something in these guys, a few extra COVID vaccines. I don't know what they need to wake up. But in those Manny days, man, that, that guy knew the moment. They loved the moment. They treat Bryce Harper's the same thing. Explosive people who just, they can't wait for the moment. Um, we just don't have that right now. Do you think we have a lot of people in there too that maybe don't, you know, we're trying to get more people back into baseball, but if they're not as invested as, say, maybe more of the longtime fans were, do you have people who maybe aren't showing up to the stadium or the ones that are, they're not really interested in games? I look around and they're, half the time there's people, they've got their tablet up and they're watching a football game or they're watching another game. And it's like, yeah. we're, we're here for this. So do we not have the investment in the game as we're trying to change it and attract more fans? Is that a factor too? I mean, we don't have to get into that now, but yeah. just tossing that out there. Yeah, so uh, we're we're gonna wrap. Babyface, you had something? No, I mean something we've been talking about, right? About the the, the format, right? And uh, you saw that clip with Mookie yesterday when they asked him about about uh, they asked him about the format, and he said he had no comment. Yeah, which I thought was kind of kind of spoke a lot, right? So it seems he doesn't like the format either. And three of the four teams in the CS wildcard teams. So there is something to teams that are playing and playing hot, right? I mean, but like you said, Astros are doing it somehow, right? They're they're taking the layoff and they're still getting by. So you got exactly. to figure out what the Astros are doing. But there is also a thing, I think, to being hot and playing baseball, you know, going through it. You can analyze that all you want. And I agree. I think the layoff has a factor. And I won't, I know we're trying to wrap, but I would just say, we need to focus on our team. For our team, it's a problem. For our team, the last two years, it has been an issue. <laughs> Look at that. So, coming in hot. Well, no, I, I'm not. It's not. Uh, I'm just saying, like, it, that's great if it's happening for other ones. MLB will never. They're not going to change it. You know, make do with what it is. But, okay, so now that we know two years in a row that that hurt us, let's do something about it. Well, uh, look, I want to thank everybody who came on the show, uh, all you guys on the live. We, we love you guys. Uh 
chiming in and being interactive. I just want to leave it with this. I was saving it for the end of the show. I know the real reason why the Dodgers lost to the Serpientes in the NLDS. And I want to make sure you guys tell all your friends that you heard it here on the Bleed Lows podcast, okay? The reason why we lost is there were no mariachis at Dodger Stadium in the first two games, okay? Uh-oh. Now, why the Dodgers decided not to bring friend of the show on 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 to you know to to perform there's no mariachis all right so you guys want to all of a sudden look the other way and you want to ignore the mariachis this is what you get this is what you get the dodgers lost because there was no mariachis in there i mean that that is chavez ravine shout out to la loma bishop palo verde it it was karma it came back and bit them so Look, uh, I tweeted that both games you could feel the palpable difference between innings without our mariachis there, mm. and you it was a noticeable difference. Yeah, I, I don't know who made the decision to not, uh, but I think what happened was if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, babyface, I think Julian Torres, friend of the Canesada, who's always sings in the mariachi, I think they had booked him for game five. I think the Dodgers realized. They had made a huge mistake, but by then it was too late. It, it was too late. It, 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 we should have Julian come to yeah. confirm that um, if they had booked him for game five. But again, it's like how what Philip said is there was no game on Tuesday. It wasn't Taco Tuesday, so they didn't think they should have the mariachi. <laughs> yeah. I, I, look, JR, I don't know when we're doing the next live, but make sure you know how you're going to find out if we're doing the next live. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to us on the social media. We drop the hints. This is why we have all these guys on the show. They follow us on the social media. You know, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We. (laughs) Oh, no, don't tell me that. Uh, (laughs) JR just said I look like Lance Lynn. All right, I got to go, guys. I'm going to give up four home runs right now. So, um, Don't you dare. Too soon. (laughs) Anyways, subscribe, subscribe. We're also, we have a giveaway, guys. We're giving out the Mariachi Joe bobblehead, but we're only doing it until we get to a thousand subscribers. And we're, we're close. I think I might have to add something. Uh, I think I'm going to have a ball or something that's kind of signed by some like former players, JT, Kike. So I uh, might have to put that in there to bump it up to, uh, to get us to a thousand. All you got to do is tell. All your friends and family, hey, just go subscribe. Just go subscribe. That's it. That's all you gotta do. Let them know the Bleed Lost podcast has mariachis. And throw in a Lance Lynn uh, autograph ball, too. <laughs> I got a Noah one for you, Jason. Oh, you know what? I want it. If, you ever, if someone has one, send me a Noah signed ball. I can't wait for <laughs> Halloween when the boatman dresses up as Noah Syndergaard. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and we're going to end the show. We went this whole show without any Austin Barnes slander from the boatman. That is Someone an accomplishment. Did. Someone on the comments, I'd have to scroll up about a half hour ago, said when I made the comment about um, Colton Wong, mm-hmm. uh, they said, well, what was Austin Barnes doing there? I know we're already at the end of the show, <laughs> yeah. but uh, sorry, guy. I'll respond next time. Yeah, so like I said, keep an eye out, guys. Sometimes we're just feeling spunky, and we decide, hey, let's go live. So... The only way you're going to know that is if you follow us on the socials. But yo ha sido su servidor de parte de mis colegas, the boatman, la reina de playa larga and babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast has been brought to you by betonline.ag, where the game starts. Nos vemos.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.